Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we're going to be looking from verse 33 through 40. And I want to talk today about a new inspiration, and it has to be rooted in the Word of God. I'm going to challenge us this morning, and these are things that are not new. These are things that I think all of us should know, and many of us, we believe in these things. But sometimes we just need some encouragement, sometimes a little bit more of a challenge and an exhortation for us to be faithful in the things that God has called us to do. So as you're turning to that, uh, as we talked about this new chapter, we said that it takes a time, the time to process the things that God has been showing us. So then as we do that, we can advance in progress. And so it's about processing everything that God has done and so that we may be able to go forth and try to advance in the progress of our lives. And as we talk about this new inspiration, I'm just wondering, um, as I start off here, how many, uh, how many of us have been in a situation where we wish that we did things differently? I mean, just think about this for a moment. That's for some of us, we might have been in a situation with other people and maybe something that we have said that we wish now we didn't say or things that we wanted to say that we didn't say. Now we're wondering, why didn't I say that? Maybe for some of us, it might be a situation where we failed to act or maybe we did do something that we're having regrets and kind of thinking through now, what am I supposed to do? So as we're thinking through this, Uh, One of the things that I want us to kind of uh, be challenged by is how often do we think through those issues and how we could have done it differently if we had the Word of God, not just in our phones, but in our hearts and in our minds. I wanted to show you this quick video, and this video, uh, it's as many of you know, I think all of us probably have the U version, the Bible app, and it, there's millions of, tens of millions of downloads all over the world. It's been translated in so many different languages. In fact, it's been probably one of the, I think one of the best inventions that God has inspired people to come up with this app that's on the phone, that's mobile, that we can open it up at any time. It's even just being able to Uh, share with one another, connect with one another through the Word of God. And so one of the things that they have done is that uh, they made these uh, videos about people's lives and how their lives have been changed and challenged. And the thing about these videos is that some of them are pretty well-known people. And the first one that I wanted to show you is about this person who, his name is Noah, Noah Snyder, and he's a pro surfer as well as a gym owner who owns a gym. And just listen to what are the things that he's sharing. And I want those of us who go to work every single day, those of us who go to uh, school, and just thinking about all those situations where we wish we would have done things differently. What would have happened if we started off the day and before we went into that situation, we started off with the Word of God and we had it in our minds and in our hearts. And so I wanted us to see this video and just listen to what he says about how the Word of God has been a very vital part of what he does 
in terms of his calling. So let's watch this together. Can you imagine if that was us every single day? Uh, as many of you get up in the morning and go to work, uh, many of you get up and go to classes. Can you imagine when you're interacting with people and the thing that you are called to do, that as you're saturated with the word of God, and to be able to use some of the things that you're learning from God, the inspiration that you're getting from God, that you could impart that to the people in this world. I want to just challenge us as we think about our lives and just think about an ordinary day as you go to work, as you go to school, as you're at home. Just think about some of the people that you're surrounded by. Think about what people are going through, what people are facing right now and in light of everything that's happening. The thought that comes to my mind always is that today might be a day that I might actually be used of God to bless somebody. But what do we bless them with? Oftentimes it's our own strength and our own wisdom and what we try to do and try to help people, which is not a bad thing, but it's short-lived. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is eternal. What would happen if we can share some encouragement from the Word of God the things that we understand who God is and the things of God and understanding who he is and being able to share that in such an encouraging way. But as many of us will confess, the problem is that we do not have the self-discipline to read the word of God, to see it as something that's very important to us and to then read it and to meditate on it and then to share it. I think this is one of the biggest issues that I see in terms of our lack of spiritual growth. And some of you have heard me say this many times. I'm going to keep on saying it. Is that many of us can do a lot of good things, spiritual things, serving God and talking with people and ministering. But the problem is we're doing it out of our, uh, our own selves and on an empty tank that we don't have our relationship with God in order. And I'm not saying you have to make it perfect in order for you to serve God. But the point I'm trying to make is this, that many of us are running on empty. And that's why some of us get easily frustrated. That's why some of us get very impatient. That's why some of you miss opportunities that God is clearly speaking to you that this is an opportunity. This is what God has set up for us to be able to minister to that person, but we totally miss it because we're consumed with ourselves. Some of you struggle with thoughts that run through your mind, and those thoughts are not very positive, nor is it helpful for you. So you renumerate those things over and over again, and some of you don't even know that those are lies that Satan is speaking to you. That's why those thoughts then begin to affect your emotion, how you feel, and from how you feel, that's when you act or you don't act. You don't do something. And so then we get stuck once again. And it seems like we're like in this vicious cycle. That's why I really believe discipline is a vital part to your genuine spiritual growth and your relationship with Christ. Some of you might have heard that uh, I decided I, I'm, some of the people that I'm spending time with, I've been telling them to write down some goals. And uh, the, the thing about goals, and you know, there are a lot of people who are against it, a lot of people who are for it. But one of the things that I tell people is that I am for writing up the goals. 
And the reason why is I believe there's a lot of positive benefits where you can advance forward. You know, you could track your progress. It helps you to fulfill your mission and vision in life. There's so many good things why we try to write down the goals. So one of the goals that I wrote down for 2021, and I think maybe it's because of 2020, I decided, you know what? I am going to run a marathon. And so that is one of my goals uh, amongst many other goals. I put down, I'm going to run a marathon. Now, those of you who might not know, I, uh, I was in better shape when I was younger. Uh, it was kind of funny because, you know, I was telling my wife that we should try to run together. And she goes, no, she's going to try to run. She likes to run alone. And uh, she was sharing about how she's getting older now, so she might not be able to do the marathon. So I said, okay, I'm going to try to do the marathon on my own and trying to train. And so yesterday, Saturday, I decided... This is this is the day I'm going to start. So here's a picture. Uh, you could just look at it right now. And uh, if you look at the right side, those are my running shoes. And I think they are about maybe, I don't know, double-digit numbers old. So I haven't pulled these out forever. And so I took it out, took a picture of it just to kind of start my journey. And that was me right before I was about to run. And for whatever reason, as I was running, there were so many people. I realized, do not run on Saturday afternoon. Not the best time. Uh, I was up in new territories just near my house. And so I was running around that river. And there were so many people. And I had to literally try to dodge them as I was running. And the first kilometer, beautiful. I was, I was feeling excited. You know, the cold air coming through my lungs. Then all of a sudden... I hit the the wall already, and it wasn't even beyond the first uh, kilometer. But it was at that moment, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. And I started thinking, why am I doing this? And so as I was thinking through this, you know, I downloaded uh, an app to track uh, how much I was running. So if you look up here, you'll notice this was my Saturday afternoon run. I ran 5.01. I wanted to be a little bit more than five. So I just kind of uh, put that little 01 in there, you know, ran a little extra. And I I guess my pace was 6.30. I ran in 32.32. And some people will say, oh, Pastor Seth, that's not too bad for not running. But the problem is that I looked at this and I began to get discouraged. Because I was thinking, man, when I was younger... I was able to run faster. And so I was telling my wife, I'm like, man, you know, the, you know, I, like it's, it might be okay, but I, I remember the times. And she goes, you're not a high school student anymore. You know, during the glory days when I used to play soccer. And so that's when I realized, okay, it's not about the time, right? It's about finishing. And I want to finish a marathon. But then I was thinking, oh my goodness, if I'm going to do this, i got to discipline myself almost every single day, every single week, and I got to start running. And the more I thought about that, the more I felt this overwhelming sense of you cannot do it. You cannot do it. This is going to be really hard. I just ran five kilometers. I need to run 42.6 or some kilometers for the marathon. And I was already dying. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And this is when I began to think, I'm like, wow, this is a good illustration about life. You know, life is like a marathon. And so often we try to sprint forward and try to run this whole Christian life on our own. And we haven't been disciplined 
and we realize that as soon as we face difficulties, then we decide to drop out. I think this is where many of us are. Some of you started really well last year. Some of you might have been five years ago. However long, there was a time when you were excited to grow, but you realized that Christian life is not easy. That It really is a marathon. It's not this quick sprint. And as we think about that, we realize that many of us are having a hard time just being consistent in our walk with God. And this is the reason why I want to challenge us that we have to get into the Word with new inspiration from God as He speaks to us that's going to transform us. Let me give you a quote by A.W. Tozer. Listen to what he said in his book, Men Who Met God. He writes this, We must face the fact that many today are notoriously careless in their living. This attitude finds its way into the church. We have liberty, we have money, we live in comparative luxury. As a result, discipline practically has disappeared. What would a violin solo sound like if the strings on the musician's instruments were all hanging loose, not stretched tight, not disciplined? I thought that was such a great visual um, picture for me. That if you're playing this violin or this guitar, any string instrument, if it is not tightly pulled, then it's not going to sound very good. And that's what discipline is. You're you're stretching, you're pulling so that as you live your life, you can actually make some beautiful music so people will want to know who this Jesus is. That's why we have to start making habits, good habits. Uh, One of the quotes by Thomas A. Kempis, he says this, very simple. He says, habit is overcome by habit. So think about that. Some of us have very bad habits. And the only way you're going to overcome that, whether it's laziness, whether it's maybe a negative attitude, whatever it is that you struggle with, it might be some area of sin, some area of temptation. In order to overcome that habit, you have to use habits. And the question is, what kind of habits? And I believe it's the habit of reading the Word of God every single day. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this. That God's word gives us the inspiration to overcome any temptation. That God's word gives us the inspiration to overcome any temptation. I wanted to go ahead and just pause here and have us break out into huddle groups. And so once again, I know some of us might not be a part of a huddle group or a life group. So you could join a huddle group. Uh, And so sometimes it's easier just to log out or just kind of phase out. But I want to encourage us. This is the best way to really process what we're talking about without being in person, that this will help us to be engaged. So we want you to uh, be part of a huddle group. If you're not, if you're just joining us, um, there's going to be some people just right there on the screen. Hopefully uh, some of you can um, uh, get together with some other people there and discuss that, whether you're watching it with some family members or other people. So the two questions that I want us to talk about is, first of all, Uh, Why is it hard to discipline ourselves to build good habits? So what is the difficulty of disciplining ourselves? The second question is, what is one habit that you implemented that has helped you over the years? So maybe some of you can share a good habit that many of you might have. And how did you implement it? And how has it helped you? 
And so we'll give you about six minutes. So not, 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 I know we don't have a lot of time. So just share quickly as you're in groups of two or threes. And so just be mindful of the time on your screen. So go ahead and talk about these two questions and we'll bring you back uh, together. Welcome back. Hopefully you had a good opportunity to share with one another. In fact, I think part of learning from one another is to share not only the successes, but also even some of the failures. And as we learn together, uh, we could develop good habits for us to move forward in the things that God is calling us to do in 2021. Uh, we, we talked about this idea and this importance of how God's word uh, is an inspiration for us so that we can overcome any temptation we face. And it's not just temptation, but it's other things that we go through in our lives. And that's why we want to focus in on the word of God and why that is a vital part to your spiritual development. So as we talk about that, I wanted to highlight two things in this passage as we talk about how God's word gives us the inspiration to overcome any temptation. The first thing is this, we must commit to God's word. Very simple. Uh, I'm just wondering if we could just say it together. Amen. Just say that phrase uh, on the count of three. One, two, three. We must commit to God's word. And this is not just an intellectual assent where we say, okay, yeah, commit to God's word. But this has to be something that is within us, that we realize the importance of it. We see some of our shortcomings. We see those opportunities that we miss when we think about all the times we struggle and all the times we give in to things that we should not. What would happen if the word of God was something that we have committed to and to allow it to filtrate from our minds down to our hearts into our actions and everything that we do? This is when we're going to experience genuine and true transformation. So we must commit to God's word. And as we look at this psalm, let me just start off and just give a couple statements about the psalm. Uh, psalm 119 is the most unique psalm out of all the psalms that we see in the book of Psalms. The reason why is it is the longest psalm. If you've ever read the book of Psalms, you realize when you get to chapter 119, it seems like it takes forever to read. But it's interesting and it's written this way because if you look at your Bible, you will notice that there are 22 stanzas or if you want to look at it, sections and parts. So there's a total of 22. Now, that might not have a lot of significance for you unless you understand that in the Hebrew language, there are 22 letters of the alphabet. So if you think about it, in 119, the Psalm 119, each of the major section has a, a letter that is represented of the total of 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Now, something else that you need to note that I think is interesting for you to kind of keep in mind as we look into this is that under each of the sections, because there's 22 of them, that there are eight verses. And so just if you look really quick, you're like, oh, they all have eight, eight verses. And it is purposely written that way because this is a, supposed to be a psalm about the word of God that people were to memorize. They were to repeat over and over again. So they put it on eight verse chunks. Now, something else that you might not know, because once again, you haven't studied Hebrew, but one of the things that you need to understand is that in this stanza, it's almost like an acrostic. So if the first one is A, then each of the letters of the verses start with that letter A. You can't tell it in the English, 
But when you read it in the original language, that's what you will see is that each of the letters, as it starts off the verse, it starts off with that letter. So if you want to think about it in our context, in the English language, it will be us writing a psalm with 26 sections, A all the way to Z. And each of this section, let's say the section A, the letter A, that it will have eight verses and that every single word of every single verse, the first letter will be an A. So it will be like apple is great. Uh, ascribe greatness to God. So each of the verse will start. So when you look at the psalm, it's really intriguing and it's very beautifully written so that it's easy to remember. That's why I love acronyms, anything across it, because it helps us to remember. So that's why I've been enjoying just studying this psalm. Now, why is this important? Because when you look at this psalm, 119, it doesn't just say God's word. Because the emphasis is so much on the importance of the word of God that the psalmist is using many other words to help describe what the word of God is. Because there's a deeper meaning and depth to each of the different words. So if you read this carefully, the whole psalm, and you do an intensive study, you will notice that there are about 10 different words that are used in this psalm that talks about the word of God. Here are some of them. Uh, law, you'll see this all the time. So once again, when you read it, and you will, will probably read it in the next, I don't know, a uh, couple months or so as you're doing the BRP, but you'll see the word law. So that word is referring to, once again, the word of God. You'll see commands, and that is also referring to the word of God. Decrees, even judgments. It's what God has spoken and that it has come true. And that when he declares that when you have turned away from me, any of those things, it's a judgment of God. That is also in reference to his word. You will see another word of precepts, statutes, word. And here are the interesting things, the next three. It says sayings and way and path. Why is it the way and path is connected to God's word? And this is where we will see this in the passage for today. And I'm going to just explain it a little bit after I read the passage. But I want us to understand that the psalmist uses close to nine to ten different words to talk about the word of God. So let's go ahead and read verse 33 through 35 first. This is what it says. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. I, I, when you look at this, just, let's put up that verse. If you could just put it up there. Uh, let me talk through this. You will look at verse 33, 34, and 35, and I want you to notice it says, teach me, give me understanding, and it says, lead me in the path of your commandments. Now, why are all these things important? It's kind of interesting that this is the heart of the psalmist. And this is his prayer to God. Teach me, Lord, and give me understanding. Because I cannot understand it on my own. I need you to give me the understanding and lead me to your path, to your way, because it's connected to his commands. Now, it's interesting that the psalmist is not asking for more head knowledge of God's statutes, but it says, 
the way of God's statutes. Now, let me just pause here for a second. I want to address some of you who grew up in the church. And those of you who, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but in our midst, there might be a Bible quiz champion amongst us. There might be some of you who have memorized scripture. There are some of us who have won all those, yeah, Bible quizzes. And you know a lot. You're the person in huddle group, you're always talking about God this, God that, and you could cross-reference very easily. The problem with some of you is that you have a lot of head knowledge, but there is no obedience in your life. This is the reason why you are stuck. This is the reason why there seems to be no transformation in your life. Because you know a lot, but it hasn't come down to your heart where it has taken root and is deeply transforming you on a regular basis. That's why the psalmist is not praying, Lord, help me to know more. Because many of us, we already know a lot more than we would ever try to obey. What he's saying is, teach me the way of your statutes, which is the lifestyle. It's about obedience. So that's why I listen to some of these other translations. In the Passion Translation, it says this. Give and read the yellow section with me out loud. It says this. Give me revelation about the meaning of your ways so that I can enjoy the reward of following them or following them fully. So once again, this idea of following these words, not just in my head. Verse 34. Give me an understanding heart. So it goes down to the heart. It's not just your brain. So that I can passionately know and obey your truth. Guide me into the paths that please you. For I take delight in all that you say. Listen to what the voice translation says. And read the yellow section. It says this. O eternal one, show me how to live according to your statutes. That I will keep them always. Grant me understandings that I may keep your law. And say it again. Keep it wholeheartedly. Guide me to walk in the way you commanded because I take joy in it. So once again, what do we see? We see this idea of it's not just head knowledge, but help me to understand it. Help me, help me to know it so then I could apply it into my life so I will know how to obey you. I will know how to follow you. I think this is one of the reasons why it's so we prefer to just study the Word of God instead of being challenged with it. I remember when we started our church back in Michigan and a little bit even here back in 2015. Uh, there, you know, Whenever you start a church, you get a lot of new people. And please don't misunderstand me, but uh, I've been doing this in planning churches and doing other things in this context that I, can, I could pretty much say, and I want you to listen to me carefully, a lot of times when a church gets started, you get a lot of disgruntled. Okay, some of you who uh, joined our church early on, I'm, I'm please don't. I'm talking about some other people, right? So you get a lot of disgruntled and people who have conflicts in other churches, and so they leave and they're like, "Oh, here's a new church," and those are the type of people that you normally have in the beginning. Lord have mercy. And then after a while, they all leave, right? 
because then when other people come in. So listen to me carefully. One of the things I realized, you know, as we're was planning that church, we started emphasizing a lot on like small groups, life group that we know it. And for many of these people, they grew up in the church or they have some kind of church background. So what happens is that they come to Bible study or a life group and thinking that it is a Bible study and what happens from there? Well, we start talking about the passage that we, uh, the sermon that we heard, we make it a little bit more practical and they would always say things like, oh, we don't study the Bible enough. And I remember hearing this so many times from people. Oh, you guys don't really study the Bible. I thought this was a Bible study. And of course, I had to take a deep breath, count to three, uh, have patience, and just ask the Lord for a lot of grace, a lot of mercy upon my life. And I kind of look at them, I go, uh, life group is not about Bible study. Of course, we will open the Bible, we will study it, but it's not a Bible study. This is where church happens. And if all we did was just study the Bible and haven't had the opportunity to share with one another, being vulnerable with one another, to do all the one another that we see in the Bible, then we will not be the church that we are today. And I share this humbly because I'm not saying that the Bible is not important. Studying the Bible, I'm not saying that it takes secondary or less of a priority. The point that I'm trying to make is this. So many of us feel more comfortable talking about God, talking about the Bible rather than actually talking to God and allowing the word to be applied in our lives. That's why we have so many Pharisees in the church. That's why we have so many self-righteous people that we have to interact with on a regular basis. There is no grace. There is no mercy. There is no love. There's only love for themselves. And those are the things that ruin and disrupt community. And sometimes in a loving way, I had to tell them, like, I don't know if this is the right church for you. Go find a church that all they do is study the Bible then. And oftentimes I challenge, do you study the Bible on your own? Why do you have to come to a life group to be the only time that you study the Bible? I share all this because, once again, it's always easy to have head knowledge about God and not allowing His Word to penetrate into your life. I think when we think about this idea of the Word of God going into our lives, it's not about trying harder. You could read those passages, verse 33, 34, and 35, and it might seem like, oh, it's about trying harder. I want you to understand it's not about trying harder. Listen to me carefully. It's really about responding to what God is already doing in your life. But the reason why we're not able to do it is because of our hearts. This is why it says, give me understanding. Give me understanding to know more of my heart. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says, and I think he says it very poignantly to the point that I'm trying to make. He says this in his book, Mere Christianity. When you come to knowing God, the initiative lies on his side. If he does not show himself, nothing you can do will enable you to find him. Let me just pause here. Just look at me for a moment here. I want you to understand 
the, just this first statement. It really is about God's sovereignty. If he's not working in your life, then no matter how hard you try, it's not going to work. But some of you are then like, oh, okay, then I don't think God's working, so I don't have to do anything. No, that's not what he's saying. See, I have to give all these disclaimers because that's where some of our minds go. Listen to me carefully. Because what he's saying is when you try to do something because you want to, in your selfish way, try to get somewhere or have something, do something, unless God is the one who's initiating that in your life, it's not going to work. Let me continue here. Listen to what it says here. And in fact, he shows more, much more of himself to some people than to others. Not because he has favorites, but because it is impossible for him to show himself to a man or a woman whose whole mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight, though it has no favorites, cannot be reflected in a dusty mirror as clearly as a, in a clean one. You can put this another way by saying that while in other sciences the instruments you use are, are, are things eternal, external, to yourself, things like microscopes and telescopes. The instrument through which you see God is your whole self. And if a man's self or a woman's self is not kept clean and bright, his glimpse of God will be blurred, like the moon seen through a dirty telescope. That is why horrible nations have horrible religions. They have been looking at God through a dirty lens. What incredible reminder for us. It's not that God loves one person more, more than another. But the problem is with us. It's our hearts. And when there's unconfessed sins, there are negative thoughts, there are lies that we believe in, and there are strongholds that Satan has taken in root into our minds and in our hearts. No matter what God is trying to do, if our heart is in the wrong condition, we're not going to be able to receive. I'm wondering if this is one of the reasons why some of us really just don't care about the Bible. I'm wondering if this is the reason why some of us don't really care about God's mission and what he's trying to do. And I think it's easy to blame people, isn't it? It's easy to blame the church. It's easy to blame that life group leader. It's easy to blame your parents. That's why I keep on challenging. Why is it when there are two people in the same environment, but one excels and the other doesn't? Is it because God loves this person more than this person? No, he loves us. Equally. Oftentimes when I probe and go deeper, I realize that this person, their hearts, while they are still sinful, their hearts are pure because they want to love God. They want to know God. While over here, there's a lot of self-protection, self-sufficiency, self-centeredness. And we just love ourselves. And we want ourselves more than we want God. 
That's why we don't allow God's word to penetrate deep into our lives. I'm wondering if some of us are committing to God's word to say, this is your word, Lord. Teach me. Give me understanding. And guide me, lead me to your path of righteousness. That it's not just head knowledge, but it's about knowing it and obeying it so there will be true, genuine change. Let's go ahead and pause here after this first point. And we're going to break up into this last huddle group. And I, I really want to encourage us to share more honestly, openly, as we think about just this idea of committing to God's word. Why is it so hard to commit to it? Why is it so hard to even read it, to be faithful to your BRPs and doing your soap? So the first question is this. Why do you think we lose the heart and desire to depend on God through his word? The second question is this. What prevents us from saying, teach me, give me understanding, and lead me to God? So what prevents us from saying that from our hearts? So go ahead and I'm going to give you once again six minutes and talk about those two questions, and then we'll bring you back together. I want to quickly close out with the second point and give us some practical uh, solutions for that. So let's go ahead and break out into our huddle groups. Welcome back. Hopefully you had a good time sharing uh, some of the things that we've learning and even this desire to do things for God. It really has to come as he initiates within our lives. Um, may it not be pride, may it not be our laziness or anything else that hinders us from wanting God to work in our lives. Let me just close out quickly with the second point. As we talked about how we must commit to God's word, I want to talk a little bit about uh, fighting or combat, combating with God's word. So that's my second point. The second point is simply this, that we must not only commit to God's word, but we must combat with God's word, fighting with his word, especially the temptations, the difficulties, the struggles that we're facing in our lives. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 36 and 37 as we talk about this. This is what the word of God says. It says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Now, it's interesting that he is actually now saying, incline my heart. So he's like turning, make my heart lean towards the, the, your testimony, which is another word for your words, the things that you have spoken. And he says the reason why is because he doesn't want it to be for his own selfish gain. Man, if there's anything that I'm learning more and more, even as I'm getting older, and even with all the counseling that I'm doing with some of us, a lot of our struggles comes internally in the fighting of our own selfish desires. And you cannot fight that on your own strength or power. It has to come through the word of God. That's why he's saying, the psalmist is like, incline my heart to your word, your testimony, the things that you've said, not inclining my heart towards my own selfish gains and what I want. Look at verse 37. It says, turn my eyes from looking to where? To things that are worthless and give me life in your ways. If you look at verse 37, the phrase worthless, worthless things is translated as falsehood or anything of trust other than God. So 
Once again, he's saying, turn my eyes away from those things. I, I think the psalmist knew that oftentimes it's by how we see things. And once we see it, we desire it. And once we desire it, then it just leads us down that path. And I'm wondering if some of us who are struggling right now, it might be an issue of a, a bondage issue. It might be just some thoughts that you don't want to have. Or maybe internally you're feeling things. If you were to actually just backtrack a little bit, why is it that you're struggling with those things? I don't think many of us think about it in that way. We just say, why am I struggling with this? This is the reason why when I talk to some of the uh, brothers and I'm, they're struggling with lust. It, it's, it's one of those things where it's not like it just pops up. I mean, you could think of it that way. But where did that lead to? Well, if you take a step back, like way back, well, you, you're, you're looking at pornography. And by looking at it, it's your eyes are turning towards those things. You're thinking about those things. And now you can't even talk to a sister in our church without thinking all these thoughts. That's the same way with some of us who are struggling with idols of success or wanting all this money. So you look, you look around, you look at your coworkers, you look at people, your bosses, and they drive a certain type of car. They live in a certain area. They have a certain kind of house. So you look and these things that you're like, man, I desire. That's what stokes the desire. And we don't even keep it in check. And that's why from there, what happens is that we begin to then crave it, desire it. And then we're like, why are we not reading the Bible? Why are we not? Why are we so busy trying to climb up the corporate ladder? Why are we trying to do all these things? While in your relationship with God, it's literally riding away. Why is that? It's not something that just comes up. Because you have turned your eyes towards those things. This is the reason why the Bible addresses idols all the time. Some of us, the reason why we are defeated and we feel like we're not growing spiritually is because you have turned your eyes towards worthless things or things that you put above God. That's why you have no desire to read the Word. That's why... Doing life group stuff, it, 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 you don't really have a desire for it. Things of church, you don't really desire. Lost people and prayer and some of the basic things that will help you to grow, there is no desire. Listen to what it says in verse 36 and 37 in the message translation. I think they said this very colloquially in a way that we can understand. <clears throat> it says this, Give me a bent for your word of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets, invigorating me on the pilgrim way. Everything that's of this world are like toys and trinkets. It will fade away one time. That's why we got to set our eyes and our hearts on things that are eternal, which is like the word of God. Look at verse 38 and 40 as we close out this section. It says this, Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. 
in your righteousness, give me life. So what is the psalmist trying to say? He's saying that I want to respond in light of your word. The things that you have promised, the things that you have said to me, confirm that in my heart so that I may learn to revere you or to fear you, to honor you. Turn me away from the reproach and the things, the shame that I've experienced in my life because everything you've said in your word is good. That's why one of the things that Satan does to destroy you and to kill you and to steal the blessings in your life, you know what he does? He begins to use words and he twists God's word or he tells lies that are different from what God says. Because he wants you to turn your eyes towards the toys and the trinkets. He wants you to turn towards other things. He wants you to wallow in on the shame and the guilt rather than being set free. And that's why beholding the precepts, the word of God, means that you gaze upon it, you look upon it, you study it, you meditate on it, you saturate your minds with it so that it can give life. If some of you right now are struggling to say, I don't really feel this life that God is promising. Even in John chapter 10, when it talks about that God is going to give us this abundance of life. If you're not experiencing that, I'm wondering if our eyes are focused on the wrong things. Rather than on him and his word, we're focused on the things around us. How are you going to combat those feelings? How are you going to fight some of those things that you're going through? It's through the word of God. This is the reason why you cannot go a single day without feeding on the Word of God. Listen to what Elizabeth Elliot said in her book, Discipline, The Glad Surrender. She writes this, spiritual strongholds begin with a thought. One thought becomes a consideration. A consideration develops into an attitude, which leads then to an action. Action repeated becomes a habit. And a habit establishes a power base for the enemy that is a stronghold. I'm wondering some of the actions that you have repeated over and over again are not consistent or in line with the word of God. And therefore you have built up the stronghold that Satan is using to put you in bondage and putting you in the situation you are. As I shared earlier, the way you fight a bad habit is by a new habit. And so whatever you're struggling with, whatever habits that's leading you astray, then you got to build in the better habits, which is reading the Word, allowing the Word of God to transform us. So once again, we must combat the things that we're facing in our lives with the Word of God. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing, once again, is that God's Word gives us the inspiration. It's going to inspire us He's going to speak to us, reveal things to us, motivate us. That God's word gives us the inspiration to overcome any temptation. Can I just quickly give us some next steps to consider as we close out here? First of all, the first thing is this. Is start the BRP and do daily soap. All I can say to you is this. You know, uh, if there was an easier way that I could run a marathon give it to me. If, if there's a way I could just watch Netflix and then I will run the marathon, then please tell me which shows to watch. I will do it. There are, are some things in life, there are no shortcuts. So 
I rather have some of you say I'm lazy and I don't care and I don't love God. That's why I'm not reading the Bible and that's why I'm not doing this. So at least you're honest. What's worse is when we try to make excuses for the apathy that's in our hearts. Recently, I've been getting on uh, some people's cases because, you know, I know it's the holidays, it's the break. By the way, this is a little side comment. Who you are in the break time is who you really are. Some of you are like, huh? <laughs> what you have been doing the last two weeks is really who you are. Because it is so easy to be surrounded by church people and doing church things and serving and doing all these things. And you could put up a good show. But what you have been doing during break, that is a revelation of this is your true self. And I pray that it will humble us and say, I need God. But that's a side comment. The point that I wanted to make was this. I've been on some of these guys' cases to say, hey, you got, you, I haven't, you know, you've been, you've been missing in action, MIA. I haven't heard any, you haven't sent in your soap to me. And this one person, well, I was doing something with my roommates and, you know, hanging out. And the first thought is excuses. So you know what I did? Being the nice, good pastor that I am, I was saying, how am I going to rebuke this person? So I said, all your roommates are Christian. So why couldn't you be influential and say, let's do soap together? Because knowing some of those roommates, they might not have even been doing soap. I'm not trying to pick on any of you specifically. I'm saying I see this all the time. Excuses. Oh, I'm really busy. Oh, you're busy, but then you saw that show, Queen's Gamut, uh, you know, all the Korean drama. You have time for that. That's why for me, whenever I hear these kinds of, I, I just call it excuses. Like, I don't really have much compassion. You have time for so many other things that in light of eternity, it doesn't make a difference. Maybe it'll clear your eyes because you cried in that Korean drama because that guy came back and he sacrificed his life. But it's not going to transform you like the Word of God. So I'd rather have you say, I don't love God. I'm lazy. I just don't care. I'm spiritually apathetic. At least the point that you will win is that you're honest. And then we could then help you to repent and ask God to come in His power to transform you. I love what Henry Ward Beecher said in his book, Life Thoughts. This is a great quote because it's about life. He says, young love is a flame, very pretty, often very hot and fierce, but still only light and flickering. The love of the older and disciplined heart is as coals, deep burning, unquenchable. Huh. Did you ever see like young couples who just recently got into a relationship? They're together everywhere. Go check out their social media. Now, please don't miss that. I'm not against those things. 
We're excited for you, this young love. But how long is that going to last? The point that we see here, what he's trying to make is this. Our love for God should not be this young love where it's just a flicker. It's this love that has been matured. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a love that lasts. And it's this deep burning, unquenchable. And it says it's a disciplined heart. Do the BRPs. Do the soap daily. Let's stop making excuses. If we're serious about combating the things in our lives, we got to commit to his word. The second thing is this. Saturate your mind with God's word. Saturate your mind with God's word. What that simply means is after you do the BRP, as you're thinking about the application, whatever, just think about it throughout the day. That's why, please, I'm going to say this, and I don't know if this, this probably is a preference, but let me just say this to you. I don't mind some of you doing your BRPs or your SOAP at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock, right before you go to sleep. But can I just say this? You might be setting yourself up for just doing something for the sake of doing something. There is no way that you're going to be able to meditate or saturate your mind with what you just read in your sleep. But pastor, every time I read something, I dream about it. Okay, then you're different. But all I can say is trying to do it at least no later than the afternoon so that you will have the rest of the day to think about this passage, to see opportunities of God's promises to come to reality. I want to challenge you with that. The last next step will be speak God's word to your struggles. I think this will help us. As the word of God is in us, we speak that word to others and we speak it to our situation into our lives. I want to go ahead and close out with another story from the version stories video. And I thought this was helpful because here's a person who's an MMA fighter, mixed martial arts fighter. But before every single fight, he has all these negative thoughts, like some of us, when we go throughout the day. And then he gets into the word, and he's able to overcome those things. And then he goes in, and he does well. I want to just challenge us as we watch this video to think about the importance of whatever it is that you're called to do, whatever it is that you go through in life, to be able to have the word of God to guide you and to lead you. So let's watch this together, and then we'll just sing a song and close out. I pray that that will be our desire. We all want something new. And as we start off this new year, I pray that we will be grounded in the word of God because that's what's going to help us to combat the thoughts, the struggles, the temptation. When God inspires us with His Word, we can overcome any temptation in our lives. Can I just pray for a prayer of blessing over you as we start off this week? I pray that it will start off with the Word of God, undergirding us, strengthening us. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your reminder today. And we pray that prayer that you will teach us, that you will give us the understanding, that you will guide us and lead us to your path of righteousness. Oh, Lord, we cannot do this on our own. As you're moving towards us, as you're stirring our hearts, I pray that we will respond to you. 
may not be about us trying harder and doing more things, but it'll really be a, a, just a natural response to your love for us because you first loved us. You became the Word, and the Word came in flesh. We thank you for that. And I pray that as we get to know you more through reading of the Bible, that we will fall in love with you and that we will be able to do the things that you've called us to do. So protect us, watch over us, guide us this coming week. And I pray, God, that we will live in light of the truth and in your ways. So we thank you, Lord. Bless every single person and may this week be better than this past week when we worship you and love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you once again. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.